of St. Paul to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. I yearn to see you again, recalling your tears, so that I may be filled with joy as I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and that I am confident lives also in you. For this reason, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have, that you have through the imposition of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake. But bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. Verbum Domini. Proclaim God's marvelous deeds to all the nations. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all you lands. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Announce his salvation day after day. Tell his glory among the nations, among all peoples, his wondrous deeds. Give to the Lord, you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He has made the world firm, not to be moved. He governs the peoples with equity.
Dominus Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundo Marcum. Jesus said to the crowds, This is how it is with the kingdom of God. It is as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Of its own accord, the land yields fruit, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, he wields the sickle at once, for the harvest has come. He said, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use for it? It is like a mustard seed that, when it is sown in the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. But once it is sown, it springs up and becomes the largest of plants and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the sky can dwell in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables, he did not speak to them. But to his own disciples, he explained everything in private. Verbum Domini. Today, the church celebrates the memorial of Saints Timothy and Titus, who were close collaborators with the apostle St. Paul. When we reflect upon the evangelization efforts in the ancient church, we naturally think about the major figures, such as the apostles and St. Paul, but perhaps we forget about all the people who helped to make their efforts successful. Throughout the epistles in the New Testament, Paul credits many different people who contributed to his own missionary work. And perhaps our perspective has been so influenced by our popular culture that tends to glorify superheroes or the rugged individual who pulls himself up by his bootstraps. Yet even those who have found success in a secular way in secular society have needed to rely upon the assistance of other people at some point in their lives. And St. Paul is credited with advancing the cause of evangelization to a significant degree, and rightly so. Yet he would be the first to acknowledge the indispensable assistance he has received from his close collaborators, such as Saints Timothy and Titus. Titus was a Gentile Christian who accompanied St. Paul early on in his public ministry. He was present when there was a debate in the early church over the matter of circumcision for Gentile converts. He was later sent to the Christian community in Corinth as Paul's representative. And according to early tradition, Titus served as the Archbishop of Crete 
and he remained in that position after the death of St. Paul. And there's a little bit more that is known about Timothy than Titus. Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman named Eunice and a Greek father. He accompanied Paul during his second missionary journey and served as the first bishop of Ephesus. And there are two New Testament epistles that are addressed to him. In various New Testament letters, Paul speaks highly of Timothy as he calls him his fellow worker and his beloved and faithful child in the Lord. And as a father and a mentor, St. Paul passes on some advice and insights to Timothy in the epistles addressed to him. In the reading today from the second letter of Timothy, Paul recalls Timothy's sincere faith that had first lived in his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. Once again, we see that faith does not grow in a vacuum, but is nurtured by our relationships with other people, especially our families. As St. Paul relied upon the assistance of Timothy for his missionary work and for pastoring the flock entrusted to his care, so Timothy was likewise assisted by the example of his own mother and his grandmother. Unlike the modern idea of the self-made man, Timothy was anything but self-made. He received the gift of faith. It was, a, it was a gift received, especially through the example, the faithful example of his own family. And while his faith is indeed a gift from God, it is something that has been bolstered and nurtured by the faith of others. Also in the reading today, Paul reminds Timothy of the gift of God that he has received through the imposition of his hands. And this gesture of the laying on of hands has been preserved liturgically to this day in the rite of ordination. The Catechism teaches that this gesture, along with the consecratory prayer uttered by the bishop, is the visible sign of ordination. And it is through ordination that this gift of the Holy Spirit is conferred upon the person ordained, which enables them to exercise the power of the office that is conferred, whether it is the order of deacon, priest, or bishop. And St. Paul says that the gift of God conferred upon Timothy is not a spirit of cowardice, but rather of power and love and self-control. It is necessary that this gift of the Spirit be stirred into flame to keep it burning. This does not mean that an ordained person will suddenly lose the grace of their ordination if they don't keep the flame burning, but that there is always the danger of becoming lukewarm. If an ordained man does not remain responsive to the action of the Holy Spirit in his soul, and if he does not strive to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, then his ordination will be limited by, his, by himself, by his own lack of zeal, not because of the sacrament, but because of his own response to the grace of the sacrament, even though he retains the indelible character of his ordination. It doesn't have the same effect. The Holy Spirit stirs up the fire of love in those who submit themselves freely to his activity in their souls, especially by means of his sanctifying grace. And St. Paul says that this gift of the Spirit is a spirit of self-control. Another way to understand self-control is prudence. 
And according to, the par to paragraph 1806 of the Catechism, prudence is the virtue that disposes practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. The prudent man looks where he is going. Prudence is right reason in action, writes St. Thomas Aquinas, following Aristotle. It is not to be confused with timidity or fear, nor with duplicity or dissimulation. In other words, the Spirit of God helps a clergyman to make proper pastoral decisions, whether the pastor needs to speak up or to be silent. And if a pastor remains, decides to remain silent, in some cases and to speak in other cases, these decisions should always be made in the unity of the Holy Spirit. If a member of the clergy chooses to remain silent in certain instances, this does not always mean that they are giving in to a spirit of cowardice or timidity. Sometimes remaining silent is the prudent decision. However, when it comes time to speak up, the Holy Spirit helps the pastors to say what needs to be said in a given situation in a spirit of charity and truth, always with the intention of leading the person or the group of people closer to Christ and not repelling the person even further away from the church. And this gift of God, of which St. Paul speaks, should always guide the actions of every member of the church, but most especially the pastor of souls. As pastors, we should hold in common the Holy Spirit's desire to preserve peace, brotherly love, and unity without sowing the seeds of doubt, discord, and division. And when pastors issue correction, it should be done with the necessary discretion and with the desire for the salvation of the one receiving the correction. It's not to destroy that person, it's to issue correction. It's done for the salvation of their souls. And it should never be done with the desire to tear others down or to alienate them from the rest of the church. And so on this feast day of Saints Timothy and Titus, we ask their intercession on behalf of the church and especially for all the clergy that we might all strive to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And while we are all called to remain firm and steadfast in the truth of the faith, we are also called to show the greatest love and concern, especially for those whose faith is weak, and help them by the grace of God along the way of salvation.